0: You know what we should do?
1: What? (laughs) I know that look on your face.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to sing Christmas carols with me?
1: Oh, Silent Night? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I think I know it better than the Winchesters, so. Okay. Okay. Ready? Uh Uh-huh.
0: Silent night, holy night. All is calm,
1: all is bright. (laughs) Wait, you don't know the lyrics either. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Okay. Our Christmas special episode, and because we're airing this on Christmas, we are recording it about uh, the one Christmas special episode that Supernatural ever did—only one. <laughs> uh, it, it's a very Supernatural Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so
0: we're only doing this episode uh, of one. Episode. What song is not in the episode that I think it's a travesty that they didn't use?
1: what given
0: the commentary around the weather (laughs) i think they should have done i'm dreaming
1: christmas they did that i uh, so the weather thing is interesting because i thought it was like so they the the opening scene is in seattle right i'm like yeah Uh seattle um (laughs) But I, like, you get, like, a tiny glimpse of the, like, the world outside when the guy opens the door when he's coming in the house. And it's, like, no snow, just sort of foggy, and, like, I can see some evergreens. And I'm, like, yes! Accurate scenery for Seattle! Finally! <laughs> this whole filming in the Pacific Northwest pays off! And then, like, the whole thing about the weather actually being a plot point was really funny to me because, like, they're filming in Vancouver. There's no snow in Vancouver ever. Like, okay, you But get the a- rest of the episode is set in Michigan. <laughs> ah, I know, I know, I know. But it's just, like, it's kind of funny that they, like, used the fact that they are not, the, like, they're filming in a place where it doesn't snow very often. Kind of their, to their advantage in a really funny way.
0: Yeah. I know, it made me think about, um, this is something you mentioned on an episode that won't air for a while yet, but, um, like, you mentioned how there's, like, never any snow in Supernatural, and so as I was watching it, I was like, oh, Rachel's gonna have some things to say about this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I do, and, like, this is one of the few episodes where it actually makes sense that there's no snow but yeah. i think my my deeper analysis of why there's no snow in supernatural will wait for the americana episodes
0: no snow and supernatural
1: <laughs> there isn't like tweet you're tweet, right please if you, there is an episode of supernatural that features snow in any capacity i would be so delighted to be pro- to be proved wrong yes please tweet at us or email
0: us or uh at, tag us on Tumblr or reblog this episode with commentary on Tumblr, uh, and let us know if you can think of an episode of Supernatural that has snow in it because we can't.
1: It's <laughs> not <laughs> like I've done an exhaustive list, but like I've I've seen a lot of Supernatural. I don't remember any snow. I have some thoughts and feelings
0: about the pagan gods. And the way they're representing themselves.
1: Oh, yeah. Versus
0: how the Winchesters interact with them. Yeah, well. So, first of all, let's look at, like, how they present themselves. Uh, the, the goddess, I forget. I don't know her name. She looks like Mrs. Claus. <laughs> she does. She does. She looks like Mrs. Claus. And uh she's got, like... A vague but nondescript Midwestern accent. Mm -hmm. It's not really specific to any region that I could pinpoint. It's just sort of like, this is what people from the Midwest sound like. And both she and her husband are wearing like... Madge. Madge and Edward Kerrigan. Madge and Edward. There we go. So both she and her husband are... Both she and Mr. Kerrigan... Are wearing these sweaters hers is like an ugly christmas sweater yeah, <laughs> like,
1: but she's wearing it unironically <laughs> like clearly she loves it <laughs> yeah and their house is like full of christmas
0: stuff they offer them peanut brittle they're like cookies everywhere baked goods when mr kerrigan walks in he's wearing like a mr
1: rogers sweater hmm. holding a pipe yeah oh my god the pipe was weird he was not smoking no but holding a pipe but it's okay (laughs) like to me like when i saw that
0: it was like oh like this is like some stereotypical like grandma grandpa stuff yeah and like specifically like him holding that pipe i immediately think of the christmas poem the Night Before Christmas. He just looks like he pops straight out of that mm. poem, you know? Mm-hmm. He's got the pipe. He's got the, the sweater. Um, I don't think we see his feet, but, like, I assume he's wearing slippers. Yeah,
1: something very much like that, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, um, like, they're very much, like, the stereotypical 19... 19- 30s through 60s era couple, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's not specific to any particular era. It's just like a weird mishmash of stereotypes you have about your grandparents. Mm-hmm. And then their their dialogue with Dean and Sam when they have them tied up <laughs> is also super interesting to me. Yeah. Because uh there's this like interesting exchange where Where Mr. Kerrigan is like, young people these days have no respect. And Dean's like, yeah, well, times have changed. And then it's like, like you could have lifted that dialogue from Rebel Without a Cause. Like, Uh. like that is such a stereotypical young person rebelling against their strict father Mm -hmm. figure exchange. Then Madge scolds them for swearing and says oh, when I feel like swearing, I just say fudge. <laughs> and then Dean does it sort of ironically without, yeah. like, making what he's saying any more polite. Like, he's clearly doing it.
1: I love illustrate. that exchange so yeah. much.
0: Yeah, And she's like, oh, good job, sweetheart, or whatever. <laughs> yep, it was so funny. Yeah, like, the whole thing is just this really interesting play on these sort of family dynamics that we all might expect to see around the christmas table if we you know see our extended family at christmas i don't know i just think it's really interesting that they're not being
1: subtle oh no <laughs> has supernatural ever been subtle ever once uh i don't know i don't think so (laughs) yeah it's not a very subtle show yeah i liked the that exchange i think that the the, they're definitely trying to invert the stereotype of the of the holiday ideal here Mm -hmm. um which i really like because they like everything about it is an inversion of like something you'd see on the hallmark channel like it's a it's a, it's a, like dark mirror version of the hallmark channel where <laughs> you've got like the opening scene is like this heartwarming exchange between grandfather and grandson where grandfather then dresses up as santa to like give the kid presents and then boom, the grandpa dies <laughs> and then like even the like the uh, Christmas tree Santa's court thing they go to mm-hmm. when they're investigating. I've never seen a more realistic or a more depressing place where you'd go to buy Christmas trees. Like that's what actually Christmas tree places look like <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> but like in a ha- like a Hallmark movie, they're like really well lit and everybody's very attractive and da 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 da. And there's snow, but mm-hmm. in this one, it's like. No, it's dingy and gross, and then, like, Santa's clearly an alcoholic, and, like, everything is weird. And, like, that's that's much more accurate <laughs> in my experience. And also, it's a clear inversion of the, like, holiday tropes, which mm-hmm. I, I kind of appreciate. Like, the thing is, yeah. the Winchesters aren't this, like, big happy family, da 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 and then they talk about that a lot. Right. Every episode, they talk about that. But it's nice to sort of see that inversion and see, like... And at the episode end of the episode, they're pretty happy. Like they they do their own Christmas traditions, and it yeah. ends up them just sort of hanging out and being happy that they can spend the holidays together. And like I don't know, I think it's a it's a very heartwarming message, and not with like necessarily what you'd be expecting going into a supernatural episode about Christmas. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I actually so I have like two sort of unrelated thoughts. Um first is just a comment off of what you've been saying about the inversion of the Hallmark Channel is, you know, that's something we've discussed before, how Supernatural derives a lot of its horror from this subversion of nostalgic stereotypes and tropes. And I think that really comes through here, right? They're just taking a Hallmark movie and like, Saying, how do we do the exact opposite of this, but in a way where you can still see where we're getting it from?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they do a really good job. Yeah. They do a fantastic job. It's really good. Yeah. I remember this being a really, really good episode. And honestly, for our episode about, um, like, our favorite Supernatural episodes, um, which I don't think, we haven't released that yet, Mm -hmm. Um, but... When I was when we were recording that episode of the podcast, I honestly seriously considered doing uh, a very supernatural Christmas as one of my favorite episodes because, like, Ooh. it's a really really good episode, and yeah. also, not only is the like Christmas bits really good, the mm-hmm. background on Sam and Dean when they're kids is a really really good insight into their characters and their childhood, and is one of the best flashbacks we get in the entire show, mm-hmm. uh, as far as I'm aware of learning about them as kids and it also tells you the origin of the like amulet which is like one of the like one of the most important like doohickeys in the show and is used to represent Sam and Dean's relationship in a lot of ways and like there's so much significance on this necklace and we learn where it comes from in this episode (laughs) which I was like oh right like that this like there's a lot of significant character development that goes on here uh amidst all of the like holiday mockery. Yeah.
0: It's really does a lot to tell us about these characters and their lifelong relationship with each other. Um, not that, you know, every episode of Supernatural doesn't kind of do that, but this really gives us an insight into how they became who they are
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and how their relationship became what it is. So the other thing, though, the other thing, which sort of ties into this characterization bit, uh, this is also something we've talked about in previous episodes, is how supernatural in an interesting way tends to reject capitalism and consumerism. Mm. Um, And I think that comes through really clearly in the contrast between the very commercialized version of Christmas we see at the Christmas tree lot and even in the Kerrigan's home where they have like big inflatable Santas and all this Mm -hmm. like expensive stuff versus the smaller and definitely more budget friendly Mm -hmm. but genuinely happy and joyful Christmas that the Winchesters have at the end of the episode right you know like their tree is like clearly, like, the reject from the Christmas tree lot in a 10-gallon bucket. Like, it's yeah. not...
1: <laughs> it's also decorated with car fresher. Like, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a really nice touch. I thought that was really funny. Yeah,
0: and, like, what they give each other is, like, little things, you know, that they get from the gas station down the street.
1: Yeah, to my mind, it clearly bespokes very last minute, like, what can I get a person rather than like a lot of like it's not so much that a lot of thought didn't go into it it's just like limited resources and also the not the knowledge that like the person that they're giving the gifts to have has very simple needs and also that it doesn't really matter the physical things that are given it's more the act of giving them
0: right right it's very much like a the thought that counts sort of mm-hmm. take on christmas gifts but it's like, usually when you see that in a movie or a TV show or a book, it's very, like, saccharine and, like, it's going to rot your teeth out mm-hmm. and not sure you really believe it because it's so schmaltzy. But for them, it's, like, they've struggled so hard to be here with each other. And what they're really exchanging is an appreciation for each other.
1: Yeah. And the real thing is that Sam even wanted to celebrate Christmas. like. Yeah. That's the real thing here. And that, that broke my heart when I, like, uh, cause on rewatch, I knew that this, this conflict was going to play out. I knew that in the context of season three, this is Dean's last Christmas before he dies. And I n- knew that when he started pushing to have a Christmas and Sam started pushing back, that that was the motivation behind why Dean wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. And it was just like that, that exchange for like, it's, Dean's like, no, this is my last Christmas. I want to spend it with you. And Sam's like, I can't stomach that because it's your last Christmas. That exchange broke my heart. It was so heartfelt. And I think it was really well done. It was very, it was very simple. It was a very simple scene. There wasn't a lot of, like, drama or shouting or anything like that. But it was just, it was really sweet. And like, I could totally... Understand where both of them are coming from there, and I don't know. I mean, I think Sam's being a little was being a little selfish, and he came around, but still, was like it was a very, very sweet and touching scene.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think yeah, I agree. Like Sam was being a little bit selfish, but at the same time, it's I don't know. Like, like it's so understandable that this would be really hard for him yeah. to you know, sit there and laugh and exchange presents and pretend everything's fine. Um, Yeah, but that's,
1: that wasn't really what Dean was asking him to do. I think it sounded like that's what Dean was asking him to do, but what's, what Dean was actually asking for was just for them to enjoy the holiday together and, like, not necessarily that Sam had to pretend everything was okay, but just enjoy, like, some simple things. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think, like, ultimately, we see Sam sort of arrive at that conclusion, too. Like, you don't have to pretend everything's fine. You just have to be there.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that was also really well contrasted with the fact that in the flashbacks, their their father isn't there. And mm-hmm. he tries so hard to make a good Christmas for Sam. No. Like, he steals the presents from the family of the street, which is hilarious. Yes. I fucking <laughs> love that part. And then also, like, he pretends that John did show up and that he just, like, they couldn't wake Sam up. Especially knowing what we know about the Winchesters, like, seeing young Dean struggle with taking care of Sam and protecting his innocence and, like, keeping him safe and happy and all of that. Like, it's, it's such a heartbreaking part of the episode because you're just like, oh, poor baby Dean, poor baby Sam, they're trying so hard i know also i was super impressed with the child actors they got for dean and sam like especially the kid for sam looked very similar to to jared padalecki and also did a really good job with the mannerisms and everything i was super Mm -hmm. impressed yeah i think like aren't those like the standard ones that they usually use okay yeah the guy who played dean the kid who played dean had been in an episode previous to this, and then I think that the child actor for Sam was new, but I think that they do use both of those uh, kids later on as well.
0: Yeah, the child actors are super good. Something that I didn't catch the first time I watched this, but that was both fitting and sort of hilarious, was the set of weird parallels between John Winchester and Santa Claus. (laughs) Oh, yeah! No, that's a good point! Where it's like, oh, he came while you were asleep and he brought you these presents. He's magic. He's a hero.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's a good point. Also, the way that Dean talks about John is, like, is really interesting because clearly Dean hero hero worships the crap out of his father hmm and like he explicitly we, calls him a superhero yeah and like we knew that al- like with just his actions but like this is when especially seeing young dean talk about this um it really drives home the point of like how much how strong the hero worship was from such a young age mm-hmm. even in the face of the fact that john is clearly such a crap father because like not there on christmas Dean is raising Sam at this point. Like, it's pretty clear. And and it's just interesting that Dean cares so much about John and hero worships him so much when he's such so clearly a bad father and Dean's doing his job for him.
0: Yeah, I guess in this specific scenario, I actually have a lot of sympathy for John Winchester, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think he would have spent Christmas away from his children on purpose. Mm. Um. I think, like, Dean says a couple times throughout the episode, like, he's never missed Christmas before. Um, yeah, but, like... And I, think, I think that there's, like, this element of, um, like, a parent that has to work through Christmas. Mm. And their children being disappointed and not understanding why they're not there. Yeah. Uh, like, I think... That's a narrative that I find very sympathetic, like Mm -hmm. the idea that you can't spend Christmas with your children because you have to work um, and you can't – maybe you can't afford to buy them presents. Mm -hmm. And so you're not there and they're not getting anything and they don't understand why. Yes, John Winchester (laughs) has some serious parenting flaws. Mm -hmm. But in this particular instance, like I just find – it clearly sucks for Dean and Sam, and Dean is very obviously trying his hardest mm-hmm. to make this still special for Sam, um, and he's picking up a lot of the slack that John has left behind, but I'm just so sympathetic to this, like, single working parent narrative here that mm-hmm.
1: I, no. I feel bad for John. No, I think you know, that's a really good point that I hadn't considered. is Is that it is a really important narrative for working class and like single parent like households. That like that's something that's really that's probably really familiar to a lot of people. And like I agree with you there. Yeah. Well, John Winchester. <laughs> I know, like not not the best parent, but you know, like yeah. Now I I could see being sympathetic with him in the in this in this instance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. I do want
1: to quickly I don't have anything like deep
0: and insightful oh, yeah. about this. But I want to quickly mention the best scene in the entire episode oh. <laughs> which is when they bust into the fake Santa's trailer. Oh my god, that part. <laughs> and he's like drunk and high. <laughs> he's got this huge bong.
1: Yeah, and no, he's the reaching
0: really really porn. <laughs> and he's like what are you doing here and they start singing the worst rendition of silent night ever and he's just like oh this makes sense <laughs> yeah
1: like he went along with it
0: No, know like it never would have worked if he wasn't drunk and high right yeah, like, no, like
1: completely out of it but he's he like he was enjoying it like he started laughing He started sing along yeah he made that guy's night
0: <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely Like, as soon as they started singing, he was like, oh, okay. Like, I'm going to sing, too. Yeah, exactly.
1: He's probably never gotten carolers before. Yeah, well, most
0: carolers don't break into your house with guns (laughs) drawn. That's not...
1: Not at least, not since Victorian times.
0: (laughs) And just the fact that, like... They start singing it, and they get like two lines in, and then very clearly neither Sam nor Dean know the words to the song.
1: (laughs) And so it's just the Santa singing the correct words for that while they kind of (laughs) mumble. Yes. So good. I mean, there's a lot of really funny moments in this episode. Like the bit where they're talking to the elf when they're like looking at the Santa and they're and she's like, Oh, do you have guys have a kid that you want to go on Santa's? And like and Dean's like, Oh, my brother's always wanted to. And she like looks at at Sam like, What? And Sam's like, No, we're just here to watch. And she's like, Ew. (laughs) And walks away. And it's like, oh. That was really funny as well.
0: Yeah. Clearly there is there may have been a good explanation, but it was neither of those two explanations. <laughs> no. Yeah, or the um Dean's exchange with the the guy who runs the store that was selling the
1: wreaths. Oh my god, yes! Oh my god, I loved that. That shopkeeper shopkeeper was one of like my favorite little like extras ever. Like Dean forces Sam to explain what the wreath is like, and then the shopkeeper's like, "You're a fussy one, aren't you?" <laughs> dying. And then the line about like, and then Dean's like, oh, and then you sold the wreaths that she gave you for free. And he's like, yeah, it's Christmas. People pay it a fuck ton for and, and Dean's like, clearly approving. He's like, good job. Yeah, good for you. Get those suckers. <laughs> oh my no, the look god. look
0: on Sam's face after he comes out with the line about you're a fussy one, he's like, I want to say no, but if I say that, I'll just be
1: a fussy be one. Right. I also like how candid this shopkeeper was with them, like really randomly. Like he's not trying to upsell them or anything like that. Like, even though he's clearly like somebody who cares a lot about like selling his wares and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. He's not like trying to be all smarmy or anything. He's just like candidly be like, yeah, I overcharge people for this shit. Like whatever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's um it's super funny. And So we sort of talked about already, like, how this episode sort of deals with the ways in which Supernatural sort of rejects capitalism and consumerism. But here we see Supernatural being very on board with capitalism and consumerism. If it's, like, a small business owner who's just, like, out to compete with the big box stores, they're like, you go, guy. I
1: don't even think it's that aspect. I think it's the concept of fleecing people who... Can clearly afford it and for mm-hmm. stuff that doesn't really matter. It's not like he's overcharging on groceries or something like that. He's right. overcharging on really, really fancy homemade wreaths. Okay, whatever. Like, yeah, it's only rich people are going to buy them anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think maybe there's both elements, right? Of a small business owner upselling stuff to filthy rich people. It's like, okay. Yeah, it's like, the, good for you. Eat the rich.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: Uh, Maybe not literally, considering this is supernatural. Maybe we should clarify not literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> like, we actually need to clarify in this case then. <laughs> I also thought that the, like, villains in this were pretty interesting. It's the first time we deal with pagan gods, um, other than the mm. trickster, which we may have seen mm-hmm. the trickster before this. But it's kind of an I interesting... So. I think so. I think Tall Tales is before this. It's like an interesting... It's one of those things that is always interesting when it comes up, because it just feels different than the monster of the week sort of thing. Mm-hmm. uh because the gods are so much more powerful usually um obviously the trickster is one of the, is the most powerful quote unquote god that they they come across for the most part but we see we see other pagan gods later on or other like non judeo christian uh gods later on yeah and it's always it's just, i i always find it really interesting how they choose to portray different gods and the, like killing a god with an evergreen stake like is really interesting because it's like I have no idea if that's, like, external lore that Supernatural picked up and, like, decided to adapt or if they just came up with something and they're like, okay, stake through the heart. It works for vampires, so maybe God's, like... I don't... I
0: should have researched this and I didn't. I don't know what sort of lore there is about staking. Um, Staking actually comes up more often than you would think in Supernatural. I mean, it comes up in Supernatural all the time, I feel like. Yeah, but, like, for a show that doesn't actually deal with vampires very often, which is, like, the Supernatural creature that staking is associated with. Yeah. There's a lot of staking in Yeah.
1: I feel like the Supernatural writers at one point were like, you know what, we just need a MacGuffin to kill the, the doodaddy thing. Like, we we'll just use a stake through the heart. It works for vampires. It'll probably work for other things. <laughs> yeah why would you need a ritual to kill a god if you were a worshiper of that god like it doesn't make a lot of sense yeah that makes yeah like there's there's no way in christianity that i'm aware of to kill a god unless you happen to have been around jesus when he was on the cross like
0: <laughs> i mean Christianity's kind of an anomaly here globally
1: speaking so as far as like killing gods, it's like not something that religions would ever teach you how to do. So or even I'm not really sure like how you how does that even come up? Like, yeah, it's just well
0: in most of the mythology I know of that features a god dying or the idea that a god could be killed by something, it tends to be one of a handful. Actually, there are basically three options that I know of. Like mm-hmm. they can be killed by another god Mm -hmm. they can be killed by a demigod so like Mm. the child of a god and a mortal or they can be killed by a hero with a capital h like in the greek sense of hero Mm -hmm. where it's like someone who is beyond mere mortal this is purely european mythology i don't know about any other mythology well enough to say but those tend to be the three you can be killed by a hero
1: which the winchesters kind of fit yeah but like it's not like they're killing people like because they have a really super special sword or because they've been anointed it's just because they happen to know the correct way like there's nothing inherent about the winchesters as far as we know that allows them to kill gods whereas like somebody like bobby or joe couldn't just if you have the know how you can do it right i mean if, if it fits with the, like, with the the rest of the show that they would introduce pagan gods or other kinds of gods and then also ways to then do away with said gods. But, yeah, I mean, like, with angels, it's a lot harder. You need an angel sword to kill them. Right. So it's kind of interesting that, like, pagan gods seem to rank lower than angels on the whole, like, difficulty of killing things thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think... To me, it kind of seems like that has to do with Supernatural's weird balancing act where pagan gods exist, but Christianity is the ultimate truth. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Which is like, what do you think about Is it? like, oh, that's weird that like they just... I mean, just I guess it's part it. of the Western tradition, but it's also like, I don't know, why did you decide that this was the one that would be the important one? And I think it's
0: interesting to me... There's like a throwaway line in the episode that implies that the pagan gods used to help protect people from monsters. Mm -hmm. And they clearly think of themselves as separate from monsters. Yeah. Because they refer to other supernatural creatures as monsters. That's the word they use. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so, like, there's clearly, like, some sort of...
1: Hierarchy in their own mind.
0: Yeah. Where they're they're above supernatural creatures clearly they don't these particular gods don't think too highly of like jesus they're like this guy jesus came along and everyone left us they're very disgruntled about the whole thing they're not scared of heaven or christianity or anything like that
1: i mean i think that it's sort of fallen the logic that a lot of modern works of fiction take when they're discussing gods, um, like, small gods by Terry Pratchett or American gods by Neil Mm -hmm. Gaiman, where the, like, the number of worshippers that a god has is directly proportional to the power of Mm -hmm. the gods in that mythos. So... For Christianity, that does make, uh, if you're following that logic, there makes a certain amount of sense that, that angels would be more powerful than pagan gods because there just be more Christians who believe in angels than there are pagans who believe in the pagan gods. Um, yeah. Though I do, th- it definitely does seem a little bit convoluted. Right? Yeah,
0: and actually that approach is really interesting to me because... So, like, Christianity is a proselytizing religion, so it's a religion that seeks to spread itself, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. But I don't want to make any huge sweeping generalizations, um, especially because I'm just sort of talking about this off the cuff, but like, proselytizing religions aren't super, super, super common. Yes, they are common, but I wouldn't say that the majority of the religions that I'm familiar with worldwide throughout history have been proselytizing. Mm-hmm. Um, there, like a lot of religions, it's often like, this is true and it's great if you believe it and if you don't, have fun with your religion. There are, not to say that religious persecution isn't possible under those models. Obviously it is. It tends to be... I mean, Christianity is really, really interested in, like, converting as many people as possible. Yeah. And other religions don't care about that as much. Like, the numbers thing is just not as important to them. And so I think it's interesting that a lot of modern fiction takes this approach of you gain power from having worshipers. um, Mm. Because in some ways, that's sort of a Christian approach.
1: That's a good point
0: even these things that are like focusing on other religions and other gods have this sort
1: of western christian you, approach to the I subject mean, the two people i just cited were are neil gaiman and terry pratchett who are like yeah white dudes in the western tradition american and right yeah it's not surprising that they would have a sort of a, a christian way of approaching things yeah
0: but even if you think about like even judaism which like obviously christianity sprang from judaism like judaism doesn't care as much about converting people as oh, christianity no. does
1: especially like ortho- i i'm speaking from a, a large amount of ignorance here but my understanding is that orthodox judaism you can only be considered jewish if your mother was jewish and it's not something that you can convert to very easily in my understanding
0: yeah and obviously there there's like more than one kind of Judaism. And so Mm -hmm. I don't want to pretend I'm any kind of expert, but what I do know, they're just not as invested in converting people. Like I, I know that there are branches of Judaism that are very welcoming to converts. The point is even Judaism, which is arguably The religion, most closely related to Christianity, just, like, doesn't care about conversion in the same way that Christianity does.
1: Yeah, though, I mean, if you look at Islam, which is also a very closely related religion, they do care about conversion uh, more than Judaism does. Right.
0: Without making any sweeping generalizations. It's interesting, Mm -hmm. this whole followers gives power. power
1: thing yeah
0: especially as opposed to like if you think about like greek or norse mythology like a lot of times you'll see like gods who were powerful just because they are right mm-hmm. and the logic sometimes is almost the reverse it's like a god that is more powerful will have
1: more worshipers yeah that makes sense and also like a lot of times they are forces of nature or just mm-hmm. forces of concept, like Athena being wisdom or whatnot, um, and they don't really seem to have much of a relationship with humans. Like on a grand basis, it's more of like individual humans, like Achilles, they care about, but otherwise they don't care, really care about humans at all. And so, like the relationship that you see in like Norse and Greek mythologies with their worshippers, it's, it's very, very different than the sort of Christian relationship.
0: And this is, I don't know exactly where these stories are from so i don't want to like say oh this is in greek and norse mythology in case it's actually from like a Tomora pierce book or something
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's possible more <Lord> knows
0: <laughs> but i've definitely like read myths as well about like very powerful gods who because humans are ignoring and neglecting them cause natural disasters to happen mm. and so there it's like it's not that ignoring the god or not worshiping the god or whatever makes it less powerful the god is just as powerful as ever it's just that now they're pissed yeah. <laughs> um, that's sort of related to what we were talking to you about like powerful gods may have more worshipers but I think it's also this interesting aspect of the number of worshipers is sort of incidental to yeah the god is
1: I think it's also um a little bit of an aspect of like a post Nietzsche god is dead as well as a very humanist sort of approach to looking at religion where it's like well in a practical sense if you don't believe in the religion itself like the amount of worshippers in a religion does influence the power of that religion. Because if you've got 100 million people who mm-hmm. believe in a certain thing and will believe what the prophets or the ministers of that religion tell them, then that becomes a lot more powerful than if you've got 10 people in a basement on the weekend. And so right. I think um, it's a I think it's an attempt to reconcile the power of religion with a much more secular viewpoint, as well as also just sort of like, christianity sort of um yeah hypothesizing (laughs) yeah that's a good point
0: i think i have to admit that i'm a lot more interested in if you're gonna go for the like let's reconcile like secular approaches to Mm
1: -hmm.
0: like these religious models that are a big part of a lot of fantasy stories i'm a lot more interested in like the idea of gods and goddesses of manifestations of natural phenomena you know Mm. like that just appeals to me more
1: Mm. do you have anything else to say about this episode it is is ultimately heartwarming yeah yeah it's really heartwarming you get to see a bit more of the baby Winchesters and sort of understand what their family dynamic was I feel like this is the like episode that launched a thousand like fanfics as far as like (laughs) speculation. Weechesters. What? Wechesters, Wechesters. Oh, I finally got that. Um, but, like, it, I think that this is the, one of the episodes that provides a lot of meat for speculation about what the Winchester family home, family life was like, especially when Dean and Sam were really young, which has, I think, allowed for a lot of speculation <laughs> as to, like, an extrapolation um, in the fan community.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that this episode you know if you're only gonna do one Christmas episode you better do it right and they did
1: (laughs) yeah I agree and I'm honestly I looked it up and I was like oh wait they only did one because I remembered this episode so strongly that I thought it was like multiple episodes in my head and I'm sort of disappointed that they haven't ever gone back and done another one uh like clearly they've done plenty of Halloween sort of themed and like that sort of thing, and, like, that's more in line with what the show is about anyway, so it makes sense, but still, like, they did this one, they did such a good job on this episode that I wish they did more Christmas specials, honestly.
0: Yeah, yeah, although, like, I kind of have to appreciate, I feel like a lot of TV shows now, like, feel obligated to do, like, the Halloween special, and the Thanksgiving special, and the Christmas special, and the St. Patrick's Day special, <laughs> and whatever, like every yeah. year. And it's like, sometimes I just want to watch a normal episode. Yeah. <laughs> and I sort of, and because they do them year after year, it sometimes they start recycling ideas, they clearly like sort of split their ideas up, um, so they're not like, they can save some for the next year, or whatever. Mm. Um, and I kind of appreciate that Supernatural's like, we're going to do this once, we're going to do it right.
1: Yep. Okay, that's it for the part of our episode where we talk about a very supernatural Christmas. And now we're going to go and move on to our very first question and answer section. For this episode, we're including a question and
0: answer section. We asked you guys to send us in some questions. That we could address on air um, and they could have been about anything you could have asked us about the show about ourselves about another show you want us to compare to supernatural anything um, but everyone who sent in questions chose to focus on supernatural specifically uh, so our first question is from clay and he writes So in the episode where Sam and Dean meet the fan club centered around the book written about them, one of the guys brings up that they get their guns, stakes, whatever, yoinked out of their hands, more or less, all of the time. So they should have a bungee or something, so that won't happen. And Sam and Dean go, hey, that's not a bad idea. But then they never do it. What kind of things do you think they should use, and why do you think they never did? in terms of lore, not just because it makes more drama.
1: Yeah. Um, So that that episode that uh, Clay is referring to is the real Ghostbusters. Um, And I personally love this question. Um, I think that Supernatural does a little bit better of a job than most TV shows about when it sets up its lore. It does a pretty good job of, like, actually giving the monsters a fighting chance. I mean, Winchester's primary um, weapon is salt. <laughs> um, something that immediately comes to my mind, though, is, like, why don't they just have, like, a permanent salt circle around them? Like, why don't they wear necklaces of rock salt? Why don't they sew, like, salt crystals into their clothes? Like, salt is not a particularly expensive material, and I just, like, like having salt or iron actually in your clothes seems like it would make a lot of sense. Probably ghosts wouldn't be able to touch them or throw them around as much. Like, it wouldn't be that hard to just, like, have salt bracelets or iron bracelets that would then dispel ghosts. I don't know why they don't do that. I feel like (laughs) you take 10 seconds, you think about things that are, like, wearable, equippable items that would help them. I think that that's a really obvious one that they never use. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Although with the like with the salt bracelets or sewing salt into their clothes, I wonder if there's something about needing to have the salt visible on some sort of surface between you and the ghost. Because now I don't know, I don't think that the creators of Supernatural thought this deeply about it, but if we just take canon on its own basis Mm -hmm. um there are a lot of legends about various supernatural creatures that can be stopped by throwing salt or grains of sand or something like anything where there's a lot of small fine grain things on the ground in front of them because they're then compelled to count it
1: Mm-hmm. Which actually um, happens in the supernatural universe in uh clap your hands if you believe they actually mm-hmm. do do that to a goblin or a gremlin, something like that, I do believe, so that's actually a aspect of supernatural canon mm-hmm. but with ghosts, I feel like I don't know if I necessarily buy the argument that it has to be visible or in a specific maybe for the salt circles it has to be visible and on a flat surface, but they use rock salt in shotgun shells like that's that's clearly not mm-hmm. something that has to be seen it's just interacted with physically and yeah, they use like pokers and rods and that sort of thing to dispel ghosts all the time so like if they had salt bracelets or salt or iron bracelets or like gauntlets would be super fucking cool it would not fit in with the aesthetic of the show but i just like i can imagine like Dean and Sam in, like, full iron and salt armor, like, going out. Like, that would be an awesome, like, medieval AU. Um, Uh, I feel like that would be a lot more practical. Iron and salt do not mix.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is a recipe for
1: rust. Oh, that's a good point. Um, But, yeah, like, especially because I get – I'm just thinking specifically for ghosts, because I feel like we know the most about ghosts in the supernatural lore uh mm-hmm. you, they get thrown about around by ghosts all the time but if they were wearing iron and salt they probably wouldn't get thrown around as much
0: yeah that's a fair point i think they would also get really weird looks if they like walked into dinner and are we- <laughs> like can you imagine like it's like a puka shell necklace yes but, but like a,
1: that's exactly what i was thinking because like the puka shell <laughs> <laughs> with salt crystals instead <laughs> also salt crystals are not like they're hard, they're a hard material and they're scratchy, so they'd probably scratch and be really unpleasant.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Oh yeah, they'd be called hippies everywhere they went. Yeah. Everywhere not they went.
1: Jive with Dean at all? Yeah. But they yeah. could wear iron and silver, and they don't. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Although I do have, I now have a really funny image in my head of um, Dean and sitting at like the generic diner of the week. And there's no salt on the table, so Dean
1: just, like, takes off his neck. <laughs> just, like, grinds two pieces together over his food. Like, And then Sam gives him, like, this disgusted look, like, you know where that's been, right? And he's like, what? <laughs> also, if they had the necklaces, they'd have to be really careful not to get the what? hmm Which, you know, yeah. they film in Vancouver, not very, like, practical, so... But, I mean, so Dean has all of these rings he wears all the time. They could just be silver and iron rings. And then when he punches a ghost, it would be way more effective. Yeah.
0: I mean, maybe they are silver and iron rings. And maybe they're just, like,
1: so small it doesn't have much impact. It's possible. It's possible. But then, yeah, why would he wear them? Uh, Also, like, other obvious things. Um, They can wear garlic for vampires, more silver for things like that. they also, like, they don't use hex bags as much as I think they should. Like, those seem like a really useful thing. And they only use them if they are given hex bags. I don't know if they can't make them, if that's, like, a witchcraft thing. But, like, Ruby gives them hex bags at some point. I think it is a witchcraft thing. Okay. Which yeah. raises the question. But
0: still, like, they could
1: hold on to them. Right. Yes. Um. Also, it raises the question, like, why don't they do witchcraft? <laughs> like...
0: I guess you have to yeah.
1: be a witchcraft and then, like, not into that. I, I don't remember wholly what the um, supernatural lore is on witches, whether you have to, like, enter into a demon contract or something like that. I don't know. I think there is some sort of deal with the devil for witchcraft. But we also
0: see, like, practices of, like, good magic at points,
1: right? Like, yeah. Missouri Mosley. Clearly there are good people who practice magic so i'm not i'm not really sure why they don't practice more magic i guess they just don't have the time hunter skills are different I yeah didn't.
0: yeah i mean i think it it does set up an interesting dichotomy right of within the hunter world it almost seems like there's sort of two classes right or maybe even three like there's like the warrior class which is like what the winchesters are mm-hmm. there's like the the scholarly or organizer folks like Like the men of letters and alan Mm -hmm. and then there are like good magic practitioners like seers and psychics and things like that that they're like allied with
1: yeah yeah Yeah. so it's very possible i feel like they could use more magic if they wanted to especially sam he's that seems like the sort of thing he would really dig if he had (laughs) a chance to like spend some time to get to know that stuff um Also, I feel like there was a second part to the question, which is, like, why do we think they don't do things um, if they don't? Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that they clearly, like, I think one of them, the most obvious things that um, they do do in the series is get the anti-possession tattoos, Mm -hmm. which are clearly just, like, they didn't know about demons until Phantom Traveler, Um, Mm -hmm. and so clearly, like, they just didn't know that that was something they needed to protect against, which is, So hilarious, like, looking back on the series and being like, oh man, you didn't know about demons? Seriously? (laughs) Like, yeah, it's very funny. So, I think a lot of times, the fact that they don't really know what they're going to be dealing with and the specificity of what works against most things, like, iron, salt, and silver are usually really, really effective, but that's only still like maybe a third of the things that they encounter and so you don't want to necessarily be hauling around all the silver if you're going to be fighting like a Wendigo or something so right, i right. think that there's clear reasons that they probably don't do things um all yeah. the time they although of-
0: i have to admit when you were talking about all of the things that they could have on them. I was just imagining like Dean being layered down
1: with all of these necklaces. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's like sorting through them as he's fighting the thing. He's like, I know I've got one for you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I also, I like the looks you would get if you walked into like a car dealership or something wearing like Like, a puka shell salt
1: necklace and, like, a string of garlic and (laughs) whatever else. (laughs) Like, a silver choker and, like, you know, I think that after, after this conversation, I've realized that Supernatural really, really missed something not having them be punk and, like, using a punk aesthetic in the show because they could have silver spikes and, like, salt spikes and, like, Mm. crazy stuff and, like, big boots. And, like, that aesthetic is much more, like, practical for demon and ghost fighting than the whole, like, motorhead one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Rather unfortunate. Also, I mean, like, the – could definitely see Jensen Ackles in the like really heavy guy liner and that would be really cool. You mean like 10 inch (laughs) hero? Yes. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. I have seen a Jensen Ackles in really heavy guy liner with a mohawk. You're right. I do like that aesthetic. (laughs) Oh my god, that movie! There are so many movies I've seen because Jensen Ackles was in it, and I've regretted it later. Like My Bloody Valentine, like I saw that, and it was I should not. (laughs) It was not worth. it I I really like Ten Inch Hero.
0: I think it's a good
1: movie. What? Oh, Ten Inch Hero? Yeah, that's fair. Mm -hmm. Ten Inch Hero is better. It's got a lot of individual good stuff, but
0: so to address the bungee cord thing specifically. (laughs)
1: I have no idea why they
0: don't do that. It is a really good idea.
1: Yeah, especially because like the the guy who says it is totally right. They do get things knocked out of their hands very frequently, yeah. and yeah, I think that the that like probably Sam was probably like got some bungee cords and was like testing it out, and Dean just gave him this look like I am not doing that. I would rather die. And Sam was like. Okay. <laughs> or they were, like, sparring and Dean just, like, grabbed his weapon out of his hand and then pulled Sam over using the bungee cord. <laughs> like, high with <laughs> So there's, there's a disadvantage there with the, like, more physical monsters that they'd use the bungee cord against you. hmm
0: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point.
1: Yeah. I think having
0: it on some sort of, like, leash, though, like, maybe just, like, like, a dangling... Like a short, dangling bit of cord that you can grab,
1: you know, I, I think that there's there's a couple of ways to probably fix this, but I think that really what we're ignoring is the root of the problem, which they should just not let things get knocked out of their hands as often. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that that's really the solution here. the reason better planning. It's happening- <laughs> Though, it's because of the dramatic tension. Like, oh, they've got this, like, the weapon that's gonna kill the thing. They've got the, like, evergreen steak or whatever. And they're gonna go kill the thing. And then it gets knocked out of their hands. And then that adds another five minutes to the episode of them scrambling around and stuff, so. But, yeah, I think in
0: show, like, the reasons we gave are probably, it's probably one of those. You know, it's either they're just, like, against it because it looks dumb or...
1: The against it because it, it looks dumb or Sam realizes it's not practical. Those are the two <laughs> <Yeah>. options. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, man. Also, there's a little bit of, like, more thematic explanation where it's, like, they learned how to do hunting from their father. And while, in a lot of ways, they've outgrown that, this brand of hunting that they do, like we were talking about, like, the warrior mm-hmm. class versus the psychic class or whatever, in a lot of ways, they're still they they've, they've definitely built on the foundation that John has given them but they've never tried to like expand outside that which is i think why they never have done any magic or anything like that because John didn't do any so in a lot of ways they're still they're still following in their father's footsteps um mm-hmm. and they have a tendency to not think outside the box unless bobby tells them to it, <laughs> even with sam like sam who like is supposed to be really, really smart and he is really, really smart, but he doesn't necessarily think of the most creative solutions all the time. And Mm -hmm. even when Dean comes up with creative solutions, it's very rarely like anything that would upset the balance of the show.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. It tends to be very like within their particular wheelhouse, even when they're trying something new. It's like it's like when Dean makes the EMF meter out of a Walkman, right? right? Like, that's.
1: It's still an EMF meter, and Walkman is like a pretty reasonable thing for him to have. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a creative use of the things already within his sphere. But it's not like he's like, oh, actually, I created this like weird, like magic thing that detects ghosts. Right,
0: right. And it's also within, like, Like, we know that Dean is, like, good with mechanical things. Right, exactly. And it's basically just taking EMF meter, which I need, Walkman, which I have, mechanical skills, which I use frequently, and, like,
1: yeah. And, I mean, it all serves to making the characters consistent and not making them, like, become too out of character and all Mm -hmm. these other things. Um, So, it does make a lot of sense within the context of the show. Because I mean, if you really contemplate how broad the supernatural universe is, there's a lot of different ways to approach hunting, and having them stick to a certain brand of hunting gr- helps with the consistency for people who are watching the show to be, not be like, "Wait, why are they using magic now? Did I tune into the wrong thing?" Like, yeah,
0: yeah, and I think I think also like the overall rejection of magic by them is in character for the Winchesters, you know?
1: Yeah, they really like to see themselves as just, like, uh, average Joes who happen to, like, know a little bit more and who are willing to go hunt down some things rather than people who are particularly special, which is a nice contrast between, like, the fact that they end up being um, very important players in, like, Earth shattering events.
0: Yeah, and I think also, you know, there's this sense that, like, for them, it could be a slippery slope, you know? Like, one mm. day you're bending spoons and the next day you're drinking demon blood.
1: <laughs> right, which is exactly what happened to Sam and the exact <laughs> argument that Dean made. <laughs> right, right. So it's like. Yeah, and I mean, that's a good point. Like, Sam does end up using magic, it's just demon magic as opposed to other forms of magic
0: right right and And i think in some ways because they're like sort of embroiled in the dark nitty gritty difficult decision gray morality part of their world um like it it makes sense that they would be worried about well if we start down this path like where will it take us
1: yeah, because they already definitely uh, live in that liminal space between monsters and, real pe- and regular people and mm-hmm. uh, tend to float towards the monster side sometimes in a way that makes them, th- like, uncomfortable in a lot of ways. Right. Um, right. Yeah. yeah, as
0: opposed to, like, most of the characters we see who do good magic tend to be stationary, like, part of a community in some
1: way. Mm-hmm. Otherwise normal people. Right. Also, there's the argument, where would they find the time between, like, all the hunting and then all the angsting? Like, <laughs> when, are, when are they going to schedule it in? When are they going to have time to learn good magic?
0: <laughs> That's even, a good
1: point. Or even find allies that can help them with magic. Like, they always just stumble upon their allies. They're never interested in, like, trying to make anything more organized or be part of a group or organization mm-hmm. or society, no, that never occurs to them. It's always like, oh, Bobby, we kind of know who he is, let's call him. <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: yeah. And, I mean, like, there clearly is, like, something of a hunter society, but
1: I mean, they're it's sort of
0: on the fringes of even that.
1: Yeah. And then, I mean, I think they, they definitely, for all that they're, like, they've got sort of a little bit of humility, they definitely hold themselves and regard themselves as some of the best hunters in the country without like without any doubt like it's me- yeah. it's referenced multiple times that sort of thing and they don't really associate with other hunters unless it's Bobby or Ellen and they definitely I think they hold themselves aloof a little bit because they're like uh we're a little bit better than your average hunter. We don't <laughs> we don't need to fuck with that. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I guess like there is sort of an implication that being able to use magic is somehow like an innate quality. It's not something you can just pick up mm. um unless you're willing to make like a bargain with a demon. So I think also like, okay, so clearly Sam does have psychic abilities.
1: I um, thought that was because of the demon blood. That but it's usually- yeah, yeah, yeah. That's
0: because of the demon blood um, rather than like an inborn ability of his. So it's like, demon-given rather than god-given which,
1: mm-hmm. which seems important. important yeah no very significant very significant
0: <laughs> yeah so Anne asks if we could talk about one-off characters that we would have liked to know more about or would have liked to have re- or would have liked to have returned sorry <laughs> Um, Or were there any episodes or scenes that we felt differently about on rewatch than when we first saw the show?
1: Well, I think that the first thing that really comes to mind is the episode of where we first are introduced to demons and the Phantom Traveler. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the first time I watched that, I was like, oh, demons, whatever. Um, It becomes such a big part of the show uh, in later seasons. And... You can look and see very subtle differences between the demons in Phantom Traveler and then later demons. And um, even the mythology of demons kind of changes a little bit as the show progresses. Um, like it it wasn't quite sure what it was doing with demons to begin with, and then it got more and more sure of itself. Um, so I definitely feel like uh, anything to do with demons in like the first two seasons is just hilarious to me now because it's very, very different. Um, also, in one of the previous episodes we recorded, I talked a lot about how Azaziel seems like such a big baddie in the first two seasons, and then he's dead by the end of season two. And you're like, wait! <laughs> this was supposed to be the thing that the show was about! And then it's like, nope, he's dead, season two. Here's 12 more seasons about not that. <laughs> um. So it's definitely... Uh, that's one of my favorite things is like anything that has to do with the Azazel or demons in the first two seasons is just is great it's like going back go back rewatch some of those after you've seen like the first five seasons or more and it's like oh whoa like this like they didn't know what they were doing <laughs> the Winchesters didn't know what they were doing the writers didn't know what they were doing but it all worked out
0: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah it all worked out <laughs>
0: um yeah, I think for me, a big episode that I feel very differently about now is the pilot, actually. Mm. Um, because I think I told you this the first time we talked about the show, you been, mm-hmm. um, that I thought the pilot was terrible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, the only reason you kept watching is because of Wendigo, right?
0: Right, well, because I'd actually, so I came into supernatural fandom sort of backwards uh i read so when i was like 13 14 i was really into crossover fic um so i read some fic that was like crossover with supernatural and that piqued my interest i was like okay i'm gonna give this a shot so I watched the pilot, and I was like, that was terrible, but I want to, like, understand these fic better, so I'm going to keep watching. And then I saw Wendigo, and it was like, oh, okay. It gets better. actually
1: decent. Yeah, yeah, no, that there are certain fandoms that I've only ever read fic in. I have no idea what the source material looks <laughs> like. Um. Yeah, yeah. But, like, looking
0: back, like, I can now watch the pilot and, like, appreciate what they were trying to do.
1: Yeah, Um. it does feel a little bit like the thing is, is that there are certain types of stories that are like the setup is everything like coming of age stories like the whole thing is like learning about the characters and da 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 and like seeing them change and all that, Um, which you could argue is almost any story structure. But Supernatural is very much reliant on you knowing the characters really well and knowing Sam and Dean really well so that when they're put in a situation, you kind of already know how they're going to rea- react. And the mm-hmm. fun is watching them react in the way that you expect and like have the drama that you expect and that sort of thing. So it's not really the kind of story that that enjoys the setup as much. It's much more like, okay, we've got these characters. Let's go and do something with them as rather than like getting to know the characters it's a lot it's like the opposite of steven universe where you're like all you do is get to know the characters very very slowly
0: (laughs) yeah yeah although like like i have to say one of the things i've learned about myself is if i don't like the pilot the odds are pretty good I will like the rest of the show. And if I do like the pilot of something, I'm probably not going to like the rest of it.
1: I mean, it's really frustrating when you watch a show and there's so much promise in the pilot and then it never delivers on that promise. Like, there are certain shows where there are some really, really good ideas and then it just never pans out or they go in a completely different direction. Yeah, pilots are kind of weird for that reason. So our last
0: question is from T.
1: Oh wait, we didn't answer uh, oh. the one-off que- one-off characters. Parts. Yes. One-off characters. Of Anne's questions. Uh I I
0: really like Layla in faith. Yeah. I would have enjoyed like revisiting her. hmm Um like I know like when we meet her, she's dying, so like
1: Yeah, but I think it would have been kind of cool to see her again, especially like because that's a really easy end to the world of Supernatural where, like, maybe she found a cure somewhere that maybe she shouldn't have. Or, like, maybe she became a werewolf or a vampire. And, like, that's why she was cured or whatever. Like, there's a lot of different ways they could have taken it. And I think that it would have been really cool to see her again. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Any one-off characters that... I really like the the cop lady in The Benders. She mm. She's really smart. She's very self-possessed, and she's, like, she doesn't, like, take Dean's bullshit. Like, she eventually is convinced to help him out, but, like, overall, she's just got a really... She seems very, very sensible, and I think that she would have been really great to see again, especially because she's, like, so Mm -hmm. no-nonsense. Another, like, this isn't really, like, a specific character or even that one-off, but, like, um we see a couple of crossroad demons along the way, and they're always a little bit different. Um, and then Sam kills one of them, but that doesn't really have that much of an effect because he doesn't get to Crowley or whatever. Um, I think it would have been really nice to learn more about the crossroads demons. I think it's a really interesting uh, thing that Supernatural uh, delves into because it's a very old, very interesting uh, myth. And Supernatural is one of the few things that I've seen actually talk about it or, like, explore that. And I think that there's a lot of really interesting stories to tell about people who are willing to do, like, to get what they want but only have 10 years to live. And this is definitely done in Season 3 a bit with, like, the other characters that we meet uh, that are related to the Crossroads Demon. But Mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot more to explore there, and I think that that was a really interesting thing that they didn't, especially after season three that they didn't really revisit in a way that felt very satisfying to me. Yeah, I think that's
0: really all i can think of for one-off characters
1: yeah i know that like in the next couple of episodes we record i'm probably gonna watch some some episodes and be like oh man i forgot about that one-off <laughs> character that was just in this one episode they were hilarious so we, we can revisit this question and like talk about it a little bit more because like right now i'm mostly thinking about the episodes we've already done and mm-hmm. so i think that there's probably a couple of one-off characters i'm forgetting
0: We'll find some as we keep moving on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's see. On to our, our last question then. Um, so this is from T. And T writes, which character do you wish had been more appreciated by the writers? Maybe they didn't have the character development they could have had, or they had potential that was not fully explored.
1: Uh, okay, so I mean, kind
0: of related.
1: <laughs> yeah. But- also, I know what you're going to say, and I know what I want to say, so let's just say it. One, two, three, Bella! Bella!
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, we, we have a huge rant about this already. Um, I don't know if it's aired yet. Um, I think this episode, since we're doing, this is a Christmas episode and we're releasing it pretty soon, we might have not released our rant about Bella, but just in case you guys haven't heard it yet, holy crap, do we have feelings about Bella? Ah, she's such a a good character. She's such an incredible foil for the Winchesters. She's very smart. She's one of the few people in the entire show that gets won over on the Winchesters consistently. And she's not even, like, supernatural. She's just, like, a regular human being who's really good at at being a cat burglar. And so, like, she's really great. She's – I wish we had more than just season three, Bella, because – She's really cool, and also, like, the thing Supernatural has is it always has a problem with strong female characters, and she's a really cool female character. And rah! <laughs> I know. she. I love Bella. She's so good. She is so she's good. She's so good.
0: Like, the arc we get for Bella is really good, and I'm not... I don't want to complain about that too much, because it's great, but... Like, if you're going to bring back every random character ever.
1: (laughs) Like, Meg has been in so many seasons. She's, like, one of the longest running characters in the entire show. Like, that's not a main character. And I never really liked Meg. I never really liked her as a character. But, no, Bella, she's dead. We're not bringing her back. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or, like,
0: in, like, the later seasons... They bring back Mary Winchester, and it's like, okay, like, this is a character we don't even really know. Like, right. <laughs> I don't care.
1: <laughs> or, oh, you know what? another character that's sort of a one-off character? This goes back to our previous conversation about one-off characters. Fucking Adam. Adam <laughs> as a one-off character that we really should have seen more of. of. Like, I holy know. crap. We, we don't actually... Uh, like, I, I, it's been a long time since I've seen Swan Song. I think he's in Swan Song, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's...
0: Yeah, he's, he's in Swan that. Song. Yeah. That is
1: the only time we've seen him, and that's when he's possessed. The other time we see him is when it's the... The Gremlin, ghoul. The ghoul version of him. So we've never actually met Adam. He's just, right. like teased at us, and, like, it's this extra Winchester brother that, like, then falls into the pit with Lucifer and we never see again! I know, I know! Although,
0: okay, so... So, Anne, whose question was the question we just answered um, before this one. Um, I'm friends with Anne on social media, uh, and she really suggested to me that I should watch season 13 of Supernatural like from start to finish and I was like I don't know and she's like there's this character Jack and it's great and I was like I don't know she's like no really it's like a whole found family narrative and so I watched it and I think I think they heard us complaining about Adam and that's why Mm -hmm. they gave us Jack well because Jack really fulfills that role
1: (laughs) yeah but why don't they give us pit so like as soon as Sam is dead, he's not even dead three days. Dean sells his soul to get Sam back, and then like Dean is dead, and Sam goes crazy trying to get him back. But no, Adam's in the pit for like I saw a post on Tumblr that was just like Adam has been in the pit for like 675 days or whatever it was, (laughs) and nobody's trying to rescue him. And it's just like, yeah, like. They were just, like, I mean, I know they never actually met him, but still, it's just, like, the scenes, like, it's a huge blindside when yeah. it comes to the Winchesters, who are, like, family, 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 except for that guy. We hate him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the thing I don't understand, I might have to just, like, rewatch all of the relevant episodes, because it occurred to me recently, like... Is Adam really in the pit, or was Michael just, like, inhabiting, like, his empty shell, and Adam's in heaven? I don't remember.
1: Who was – it was Michael possessing Adam, not – I don't – oh, right, you were – yeah, I think that they do explain that, that that Adam has actually been blasted out of Michael. Right, because one of the side effects of being possessed by an archangel is that you basically get – your personality gets blasted out of you. Yeah.
0: Although we see that's not entirely true with Sam and Lucifer, but whatever. Whatever show.
1: I mean, but Lucifer's a demon. Oh, I guess but he is still an archangel.
0: Yeah. I mean Wait, he's, where do we he's see? a fallen angel?
1: Rescue Adam. That's all I'm saying. Adam Adam is the number one white whale for me with supernatural. Like that is the one character I need to know so much more about. Um, I do, I do feel like they missed out.
0: On a lot with Adam, and they're giving it to us now with Jack, but
1: okay, they could have done it like ten years ago, <laughs> yeah, and like we see that a little bit in Jump the Shark, but not nearly enough, yeah, in my opinion, yeah, yeah, anyway, so uh, mm-hmm. so characters done dirty by the show, Bella, Joe, Adam. Joe, Joe, oh Joe Harve, mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> do you want to elaborate or are you just like that's good <laughs> that's, that's how you feel okay <laughs> i mean it's like i don't i keep going to
0: season 13 because i've been watching season 13 recently and also because it's it's actually really good you should watch it
1: <laughs> I, I look forward to watching it but there's this great
0: episode in season 13 called wayward sisters um,
1: yeah, you were telling me about this. I remember. Yeah,
0: it's basically like like an all female AU of Supernatural. It's amazing.
1: <laughs> I love it. That sounds amazing.
0: Yeah, they take like all these like badass female characters we've met before, um, and they're sort of functioning as a family unit together, um, and they're all working together to hunt things and save people. Um, they have. You know, family tensions with each other, but they ultimately love and support each other. It, it's so good. Anyways, so uh, as I was watching this episode, it was amazing. I loved it. Everyone should watch it, even if you don't watch Supernatural anymore. You should watch the episode Wayward Sisters. It's so good. <laughs> but there was a little voice in the back of my head going, "Well, well, what about Joe? What about Alan? Mm-hmm. Like." They were sort of the OG badass hunter ladies. And they're just, like, gone and nobody really mentions them anymore.
1: Yeah. Like, other than flashbacks with Bobby, because they die season four, or five? Yeah. Somewhere around there. <laughs> yeah, because the roadhouse gets blown up. They die after that, though. Oh. That's when
0: Ash dies, but they're, like, not there.
1: Oh, right. They were saved. But they they do die... And then just never get mentioned again. Also, I miss Ash. Ash was a great character. Ash was a great character. Although, (laughs) I do feel
0: like they sort of address Ash being dead. You know, they're like, oh, he's in heaven and he's, like, happy there. So we're gonna let him stay there. And it was like, good for you. Good
1: for you letting somebody stay in heaven for once. Yeah, like, good for you giving somebody a happy ending. That's fair. I think that's a good point. But... I think that there are just a lot of really good characters in the first five seasons that they kill off or disappear or things happen, especially because they're willing to, they, they've they shown themselves really willing to just sort of grab whoever they want and bring them back to the show, especially like we see this with Bobby where they kill off Bobby and then they bring him back. Uh, I feel like you just, like, you could do that with some of the, really, really good characters that you guys had? And I i don't know, maybe they can't get the actors anymore, but that's hardly ever been a problem for Supernatural. They switch actors pretty quickly.
0: <laughs> you implying Bobby is not a good character? We're gonna get some serious flames.
1: Oh, no, 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 no. I'm so sorry. I love Bobby. When he died, I cried. And my boyfriend at the time was watching it with me, and he had never seen any other Supernatural. And he's like, why are you crying about this guy dying? I'm like, it's Bobby! He's and my boyfriend was like, "Okay, I'm leaving now." No, no, I love Bobby. I'm just saying that like um if they're willing to bring back Bobby or they're willing to like introduce new characters, like it's good to get new characters. But mm-hmm. also like if they're going to bring back crappy characters, maybe also bring back good characters. Also, yeah. another character I wish they'd bring back is Benny. I really liked Benny. I thought he was great. Um, Like, Benny's a nice character. Like, I really like him. I think he's, like, an interesting character. He's an uh, interesting foil for Dean. like, I always want more Benny. And there's never any more Benny. And it's so sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I have
0: to admit, like, one of the things I really liked about Supernatural when I first started watching it is I was, like, pretty over the whole like i'm a supernatural creature but i'm different and i'm good or our vampires are different or whatever so like i really like that supernatural was like nah man (laughs) either they're like inherently bad or like harmful to people in some way or it's like this eternal struggle for them and it's like never a happy ending for a supernatural creature and i was like this is great. I appreciate this. Oh, I don't know. That's kind of sad. (laughs) (laughs) Poor supernatural creatures. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, you know, not that I want that to be all of my media. Like after the direction Buffy went with it's vampires and then Angel
1: later, and then Twilight, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it was like, I was just so over the like actually, the vampires are good guys, except for the ones that want to eat you thing. It was like, no, <laughs> if they want to eat you, they're bad,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's fair, like it they if you have creatures that do bad things and thus are bad because they do bad things, yeah. right, yes, um yeah, and i I mean, like be, like with Benny, it's a very. Interesting situation because they're in purgatory, and so, like, yeah. And I haven't seen season eight in a really long time, so I can't really make a much more nuanced comment than that. But, uh, I mean, yeah, really my only
0: quibble with
1: Benny, like, otherwise,
0: he's a great character, and I like him. I just was a little disappointed. That's <laughs> fair. <Best day. laughs> um,
1: yeah, that's how I feel about that. Mm-hmm
0: yeah yeah i enjoyed answering the questions a lot
1: (laughs) yeah so please send us more questions we loved them thank you so much for sending them
0: please send us lots and lots of questions um we can't guarantee that we'll answer your questions every episode probably wait until we have a significant number of questions like before we'll do another question answer thing unless there's some question that is relevant to an episode that we're recording and then we'll answer it during that episode yeah
1: so thank you so much for listening we really appreciate it and we're glad you guys like the podcast enough to actually like send in questions for us it's great dreams of the past podcast is written researched and produced by ray mish you can reach them on twitter at dreams past pod tumblr at dreams of the past podcast dot tumblr.com and email at dreams of the past podcast at gmail.com dreams of the past podcast Is available on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Please rate and review us. Thanks to Benjamin Geyer and Lynn Music for our theme song, Lonesome Ranger. Okay, that will well,
0: good that, that,
1: that, that turns good. out. <laughs> <laughs> what no, I think I think we should leave. I might use that as our intro. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Why are we singing? Because <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I want to. <laughs> oh,
0: that's fair. That's what about jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. No, I don't Jing- know that one. <laughs> jingle bell time. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Rockin' around. Christmas tree, and a happy holiday.
1: You want to sing them way slower than I want to. Wait, what? You're singing them a lot slower. I don't know why. Am I singing I them too fast?
0: Wait, you sing it. Sing it.
1: Okay. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, mm, and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature sing <laughs> <A little sour laughs> <There> you go. <laughs> I think I just sing know. it faster. I think I'm <laughs> trying to get it done with like <laughs> oh I see when I, I was think. when I was a kid and we had to like sing a bunch of hymns, I tried to sing them as quickly as possible <laughs> I. See.
0: Have a holly jolly Christmas. Da 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 da, da. I don't know the
1: words. <laughs> I, don't know the words. <laughs> I don't know the words either. We three kings, we of, kings of Orient are very gifts. gifts
0: We, we travel afar. What?
1: We travel oh. so far, yeah. Oh. Sound <laughs> the mountain, you know, I thought we were gonna be better than the Winchesters here, but I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't help that there's a little bit of a lag. Okay? Yeah. I yeah, I think we can. Ha- Let's blame it on the internet. I like that. I like that approach. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can try Silent Night again. Now. <laughs> okay my god we're so bad <laughs> we're so bad you know what
0: we know the words which is more than the winchesters can I know, yeah say. but
1: at least like jensen and jared can sing at least jensen i know can sing like yeah but
0: us. but they were deliberately singing badly there and we're what? trying
1: we're yeah i know we are trying <laughs> i was trying to sing you know i was thinking it's a good thing we didn't try to like sing Carry On My Wayward Son or something for our like <sighs> for our, like intro song for this podcast because it would be so bad. You wouldn't hear that and they'd be like, mm, I'm not going to listen to this. You don't want to sing Carry On My Wayward Son. Oh, that was good. It's your turn. No.
0: <laughs> There'll be peace when you are done.
1: Lay your weary head to rest don't Don't you you cry cry. no No, no, no. okay okay That's, that's enough silliness